general nerdery. Okay, so you know me. I've always been kind of a live and let live when it comes to people and their beliefs and yada, yada, Mm -hmm. yada. But I have something that I need to get off my chest because I didn't want to yell at my friend on their Facebook post about it. Okay. That's a very intimidating. It's not actually that bad. <laughs> but they, they, a friend of mine who will remain nameless because I love them, and you know, but they put up this post about uh, uh, horoscope, not horoscopes, uh, um, Sagittarius Cancer astrology. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they were like, "Well, you know, because something or something is going towards something, something." I literally can remember none of it. It is just. I my, understand. Yeah, yep. it's out there. Believe what you want. I know people who get stuff out of horoscopes. It's horseshit. Um, but they're like. Because of this is going into this and this and this, you might be feeling sad at this time of year and like you'll be getting strange dreams and things. And there's like 18 people going, oh, well, that explains so much. My dreams have been. It's fucking late October. It's seasonal depression. Yes. Just get a sun lamp. (laughs) You know how I know that? Because I have seasonal depression. <laughs> Welcome to General Nerdery, your podcast about liking things. I don't know if I was... Cro- uh, no, that's perfect. That I'm Tyler. Just, I'm Zach. We're your generals of nerdery. That has been stewing for like two days, and I didn't want to say anything, because I don't want them to be like, hey, it means a lot to me, because, you know, mm-hmm. believe what you believe. <laughs> also, Also, I'm not going to say that, like... I'm immune from the effects of seasonal depression, but I fucking hate the summer. It's too hot and too bright. So I've actually been getting getting up and getting things done at this time of year because it's suddenly cool and like it doesn't hurt my eyes to go outside. Yeah, no, I'm I like early fall and late spring. So I'm in we're right dropping into the time where I don't hate. I actually kind of like the beginning of any season mm-hmm. and like most of spring. But I definitely feel the lack of sun. And, you know, for reference, for those of you who don't live in Missoula, it was weeks and weeks and weeks of just beautiful sunny weather, like hanging out between like 50 and 70 degrees, which for me is like ideal. It's it was what I'm kind of fine for. for me. Um, as long as I remember my sunglasses. Right. And like we're getting ready to close up our Bellegarth season uh, because hitting people with things is a lot worse in the cold for various reasons. And people kept being like, are you sure we need to shut down? Cause the weather's like perfect. We'll have like, guys, it's Montana. It could change tomorrow. And it changed two days later. So I was, I was <laughs> so close to like prescient. Uh, and now it is 45 degrees and wet and I don't hate it, but I do already miss the sun and need to replace the light on my sun lamp. I mostly, it got, it dropped like 30 degrees in like a day. Mm-hmm. If it dropped 30 degrees in like a week, I'd be a lot cooler with it. Yeah. No, it was uh <laughs> whiplash of effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the weather, what have you been ingesting? What have I been ingesting? I thought I was going to get all caught up and see the season finale of House of the Dragon yesterday, and then that didn't end up happening. Probably oh. tonight sometime. So, like how I thought I was going to get us all caught up for Doctor Who regenerating last night. Fucking YouTube was like, hey, do you want to watch this video of them regenerating? It was an hour after the fucking <laughs> video, ca- or after the episode came out. Wait, three fucking days. So... Uh, that happened yesterday and I had been pretty week to week on it for the most part, but I am now behind by a day. 
Mm -hmm. So I can't say anything about it. I do know, <laughs> like, I, I know some of the things that happen. Yeah. That even with some of the changes from the original source, which there's not much, but one notable one in the ninth episode that some people weren't happy about. And I get it because it's dumb, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Anytime you are going to change mediums, you are going to end up with changes in your story. And sometimes that's bad. I'm not, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I just, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. You should make sure they make more sense sometimes. Uh, yeah. But it, from what I understand, it, I think it's not going to be the worst thing. But I also know what happened. And I'm like, but why? <sighs> okay, whatever. It, it is what it is, but it's not a good call. Um, they dropped a big patch for Elden Ring, so I did jump back into that long enough to finish off my achievements, so I've 100%ed it. <laughs> Again. Um, no, like, achievements-wise. Like, oh, okay. Um, in PlayStation Speaks, Platinumed it, I think that's what they go with. Um, all I know is that I got all the achievements over with, which sounds like a large time investment, but... It, based on the time investment I had already put in that game, it actually wasn't that far away. So um, I had a lot of fun doing it, though, and I'm probably actually going to still jump in from time to time uh, and start actually screwing around with the PvP just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of just going to fade it mostly to the background till whenever a DLC drops, mm -hmm. especially with getting that done. Andor has been my week-to-week, because -week, Andor is amazing. It's so good. And I know that you're still not I'm still not I'm 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 there if I wasn't friggin' desperate to get caught up on Doctor Who before I get I mean I've been spoiled. Mm -hmm. Not much. Uh I mean there's not a lot that can be spoiled. Y yeah. Uh but like I came up with my prediction and this is coming out like this episode is going to come out like 2 weeks after that. Our the episode while we're recording is the day after that episode came out. But this episode, when you hear it, is going to be like, I don't know, a week or two later. So right. much later in it. But there was a whole lot of predictions because we knew David Tennant was coming mm -hmm. back. What's that going to entail? And I guessed what the final scene was going to be. And I was sure that it was going to be David Tennant regenerate, like regenerating into David Tennant. Him going, what? Dot, dot, dot. What? Dot, dot, dot. What? And the blackout, because it was their favorite fucking David Tennant thing. And Heidi messaged me, and she's like, they're like, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. But you were spot on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Andor is so high on my list. So I just, good. we are just about to dive into the final Bill story. Bill's just mm. about to be turned into a Cyberman spoiler for a thing that came out like six years ago. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Just those first three episodes were so good, so I'm not surprised. I, yeah, I, I'm i not going to talk too much about it because it'd be really easy to talk a lot, a lot about we it. We will definitely do an Andor episode probably within the next six months. <laughs> like, um, And so I guess otherwise the big thing was that I've just been finally plowing through to finish Outer Worlds. Yeah, every time I see you, you're playing Outer Worlds and your character has completely changed from what i can tell well yeah you you saw my character like 15 levels ago so uh, no it makes sense it's just like oh he's a large robot man oh he's alice cooper <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm i'm super enjoying it it's it's complicated to talk about the game but it, like because 
there's a lot going on in it. Mm -hmm. It's less subtle fallout. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I it's been a lot of fun, like, having all these humorous takes on fucking late stage capitalism. Not that fallout was ever that subtle, but... Yeah, this is even less subtle. <laughs> I'm very excited about the idea. Even of it. less subtle. Oh my god! Like, one of the first places you go is a company town, where most of the workers are pretty much indentured servants to the fact that they have to rent and buy their own graves from the company. Hmm. Also, there's a plague going through the town that's starting to wipe them out, and. <laughs> It's not a plague plague, it's the flu. But they're so overworked and malnourished and not getting given medicine because only the best workers are worth giving medicine to, and if you get sick, your production drops. You don't get medicine. Thanks, I hate it. Yeah, but it's also hilarious when it's presented in-game. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Man, thinking of that, and not nearly the same scale, but... Someone mentioned Borderlands to me recently, and I've just been, like, obsessively thinking Ooh. about it, and I found out that the first two are on the Switch. So that will probably be happening soon. Two is so good. Like, one's good, but two was one of those ones where I felt like there wasn't much reason to go back to one once two was out. Yeah, pretty much I'm going to play one because it's been long enough that I won't. I don't remember much of the... Mm -hmm. It's been probably 10 years since I played any of them. But the, the quality of life upgrades from 2, I remember, being significant. That's about all I got. Listening to some audiobooks and stuff here and there, but it's mostly just, like, I need something to fall asleep to, so I re-listen to a bunch of Dresden audiobooks and a couple other fantasy series. I get you. I re-listen to... Uh... Hour of the Dragon, which is the Conan novel for mm. a similar reason. Yeah, most of my stuff is stuff that I've talked about before. I'm in one of those hardcore, and it's partially the weather, uh, comfort stuff. Mm. You know, lots of last podcasts, but like going through the episodes that I haven't gotten to, I finally listened to their Black Death one, which I could not do because when I first tried it, it was just ass deep in the era of COVID. And I was like, can't really do plagues right now. Uh, the Mangala ones, which is fucking heavy as shit. Cece asked to finish one that we had started. So I was like, oh, good. Like, because she'd listened to some with me and I didn't know if she mm -hmm. liked it or if she was, you know, being the good partner kind of thing. Being like, oh, can we finish this one? Yeah, we can. Yeah, Let's we make can. fun of the Mormons. <laughs> um, uh, um, I don't remember if I mentioned this last. No, I, we wouldn't have. Unlikely would have last time. But uh, Jed McKay's Black Cat. Run. Oh, okay. So Jed McKay, we have talked about quite a bit in one of our other podcasts in New Byland because he wrote Death of Doctor Strange. And it was good enough that I went and checked out some other stuff. And his Moon Knight run is in the running for the best Moon Knight run I've ever read. That's everything I've been hearing about it. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, we will absolutely be reading it I've as seen well some, as more else. Some of the more important pages from it, thanks to, like, different internet articles. Mm -hmm. But... No, it is, uh, it is an accomplishment. So I was like, all right, let's check out some of his other stuff. I've heard good things. Oh, and I've been reading Strange, which is his, Clea is the Sorcerer Supreme post, whatever. And I went back to his Black Cat run that he did. And I had, like, 
I had picked up the first volume and then it just got lost in the shuffle because, yeah, you know, it's Black Hat, like, mm-hmm. cool, but not a character that I'm, like, utterly devoted to, especially because people keep... I like Black Hat as, like, a close friend and ex of Spider-Man. I don't love them as a pairing. Right. Partially because I'm pretty ride-or-die Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> she was my first crush, like... You know, the little seven-year-old me being like, I like the pretty redhead. <laughs> um, I did just hit the jackpot. <laughs> she called me Tiger. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, and so I checked it out. And Jesus fucking Christ, it's such a fun series. Because it is Felicia Hardy going through heists throughout the Marvel Universe. Okay. There's oh, an yeah. uh, uh, overarching thing, Black Fox, who's another thief character who doesn't get used a whole lot, but was, like, pretty good as this aging thief. Mm-hmm. Uh, is recruiting her for a, a a thing that he hasn't revealed to her what the end game is, but she has to break into, like, the Sanctum Sanctorum. So we get a, a absolutely delightful thing of her interacting with Bats the Ghost Dog. Uh, she has to break into, it's not the Baxter building, but whatever the Fantastic Four's building is these days. She has to break into oh, yeah, yeah. Stark Enterprises. Uh, and so it's just high story after high story after high story leading up to one bigger thing. And one, Jed McKay is extremely good at character interactions and keeping this like kind of buoyant sense of joy. Buoyant's a weird word, but I can't really describe it. Don't know how to describe mm-hmm. it. You just like, you feel kind of bouncy reading anything he writes. Okay. I even enjoyed his Magic the Gathering series. I don't play Magic the Gathering. And then everyone's a heist, and I'm a fucking sucker for a good heist story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the the Dresdens I've been re-listening to time a a lot. I can't remember which one that is, but that's a good one. Uh, um, It's not Skin Game. Yes, uh, it is Skin Game. Oh, Skin Game? Okay. It, the heist kind of gets lost in the ridiculous violence that happens at the end, but the heist is definitely the best part of Skin Game by a lot. Uh, unfortunately, I've reached the point where, like, the main Black Cat series has ended, and then there's a follow-up called Iron Cat that does make sense, but I'm not going to explain it. It's, <laughs> this isn't the like, episode for that. Uh, but the Iron Cat miniseries isn't done yet, oh. so it's not in a place where I can like get the collected edition and read it yet. I'm like, you bitches. <laughs> but the point I'm reading every Jed McKay book I can. I picked up his daughters of the dragon miniseries he did, which is uh, uh misty night and Colleen wing. Colleen wing. It's great. It's, it, you Hell can yeah. tell it's older. Mm-hmm. Like it, it shows, uh, I'm even going to pick up his fucking taskmaster series. And I've never thought taskmaster deserved a solo book. Also Disney plus we need daughters of the dragon. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And not... We're, get, we're getting Daredevil born again. Give us da- Daughters of the Dragon. And I want them as Daughters of the Dragon. Luke Cage can show up in it. Iron Fist can hang out. I'm down for all of that. Bring in Shang-Chi. They have mm-hmm. history. But those two, those actresses, and let them have fun. Because that that's what it's supposed to be. These two are... Fucking sassy black exploitation and Asian kung fu yeah. movies in one duo. I mean, similar to Power Man and Iron Fist, but with a lot more fucking like legitimate girl power going on. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It was building up for that. 
That was the best thing about Iron Fist. <laughs> That's really what we wanted from it. Um, that second season was a lot better. People sleep on that second season. Yeah, I know, but we already decided on Word or New Island that we're still not going to watch Iron it's Fist because we it's just don't want to. It's not worth going through again. <laughs> I do want to mention one other thing I rewatched. Go for it. Just really quick as a sh- shameless self-promotion, but also just trying to will this back into the universe a little bit because there's been <clears throat> there's been some talk about a uh, re a, a continuation of Jafar. Really, more just a friendly reminder. So Which, I rewatched for, all of Just a Friendly Reminder the other for night. For those of you who do not know, because. If you're outside of the good food store, where the store we work out, you probably do not know. Just a friendly reminder is a series of surrealist YouTube videos, I guess. It's like they they start as like a parody of training videos. And then, and they, then the fact that it's highly influenced by both David Lynch and Tim and Eric start to combine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the guy moved. No. Well, oh, I mean, yeah, Riley moved, mm-hmm. but I we can find like he'd gotten turned into a can so many times in that anyway. We can find ways to deal with that. <laughs> We're just not going to explain. We're going to move on from that. Uh, Plus the all the um, all the for the right price segments. Those mm-hmm. were all from Oregon to begin with. Oh, all right, so it's still doable. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, I would love that. I I, I want us to make more things. I'm. I'm so on board with it continuing. I just, I never thought it was going to. And now there's been, there's been talk. Chatter. There's been chatter. What happened to that Western you were working on? I don't know. Okay. You know what? You got to have fun to go I, be a I ended up getting to have like, a lot of fun. I hope he at least, even if it doesn't turn into the bigger project that he was planning on, I hope that that firefight at least gets edited because... I got to take place. I got to fucking take part in a fucking firefight. And it was awesome. There are so many things that I would love for us to do. I mean, you and I working together on other projects or like just you getting to make other stuff like that or me. But man, if we were going to talk about late stage capitalism, uh, that sure is limiting my creative abilities a little bit here. No shit. Yeah, I don't know. I... He he has also mentioned that some of his projects should be starting again soon, but um, I think it was kind of getting settled in with a new partner and a new job and put a lot of things on the sideline. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, <laughs> <laughs> when you are not getting paid for your passion projects, you take as long as you friggin' need to do it. Mm-hmm. But also, would love to see it. Yeah, same here. You know, the firefight should be so fucking cool. <laughs> I'm so like I can picture it all in my head right now, but I can't wait to see what it actually ended up looking like filmed. And I don't know it currently. Shit, I'm trying to get back into shape just so I can keep doing that shit. Right? It was hard walking up and down that mountain, though. Yeah, I feel you. There's we have some new people in Bellegarth who are in their like early twenties, and like all of us old people are like, I'm gonna take a fucking sit down for a while. And like, <laughs> Why is everyone sitting? Because we're old. I've been up since four a.m. You bastard. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh. We have one trailer. One trailer. And I still have that fucking song stuck in my head, but. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Row. Uh, Ant-Man Quantumania trailer dropped about an hour before we started recording, which is great because it's usually about an hour after we finish recording. Right? 
I was so surprised to see that it actually <laughs> dropped before. I was so excited about that. It looks beautiful. It looks more interesting to me than the previous two Ant-Mans have. But also, it looks like about 95% of the movie is going to be in front of green screen. No, oh, almost certainly. And that can obviously work. Marvel has made it work in some of their other movies, but I feel like even in the other movies that were super heavy green screen, there was more real stuff in the foreground than what we were seeing for the actors to actually interact with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't stifle their performances because it is quite the cast, but... I'm just looking at the number of ways that Guardians of the Galaxy permanently changed Marvel movies mm-hmm. and the ways that they're like, all right, this is our BC level characters. Can we Guardians of the Galaxy this up a little bit? Like, I'm mostly just I'm excited to see Jonathan Majors as Kang. Even though I knew it was Kang, there was a moment where there was a raised camera up and then it leads up to Kang. But the bit before you see his face and you just see like the green Mm. layer thing i was like dr doom oh yeah and then i was disappointed because kang i'm excited to see jonathan majors as kang and kang is an a-list a-list villain he is potentially the least interesting a-list villain (laughs) because he's just kang the least interesting a-list villain across both major companies yeah, I hate to say I'd rather read a Joker story than a Kang story, but the only writer who's ever interested me with Kang was Kurt Busiek back in the 90s. But that's because Busiek is obsessed with, like, minor little bits of continuity. So it would just be Kang getting up to just insane shenanigans because of shit that I'm into. Like, mm-hmm. But, like, it wouldn't work on movies. I just want to see how it differs because we've already seen Jonathan majors as he who remains. Mm -hmm. That was, I I thought he fucking killed that. Yeah. He was spectacular. I know that we haven't gotten up to that in uh, new Island yet, Mm -hmm. but like he's been saying the entire time. He's like, yeah, that's he who remains though. That's, that's not how I'm playing Kang. He's like, my Kang's coming. Watch out for my Kang. (laughs) I'm curious if Immortus shows up. I highly doubt that uh, Rama Tut version, uh, because if you don't know, which most people don't, because it would be insane to remember this stuff. Kang is the descendant of Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four, or in some versions, like a brother. Mm-hmm. He He's of the Richards family, whether a direct line of Reed is important. Uh, he becomes the young hero Iron Lad before, mostly because Kang interferes with his own timeline because he's a dick. He eventually becomes the time traveler Rama Tut, who's sent back in time and takes over Egypt for a while and then gets overthrown partially by Apocalypse. It gets the the story gets wild. Uh, then he becomes Kang and then he becomes Immortus, who's a different time traveler. And at times, all three will go to war with each other. Rama Tut versus Kang versus Immortus. I think he remains is a little closer to Immortus, who is a little mm -hmm. more like preserve the timeline. I work for the time masters. I'm wondering if since they've been kind of low key setting up all the young Avengers anyway, if through either this or Loki season two, we get Iron Lad. 
I would guess season two if we did. Uh, I do notice they seem to be going with the Stinger version of Cassie Lang. That's what I'm probably most excited mm. about. So the first time we ever see Cassie Lang as a hero is in this alternate universe called the MC2. It's where Spider-Girl comes from. Not very important. I like it, but it was a, a kind of flash in the pan kind of thing. But we see a new version of the Avengers where Cassie is playing a character named Stinger, who can has wasp wings and Stinger blasts. And I don't think she can shrink, but that might... I don't remember. Right. When we see her in the main Marvel universe, she becomes uh, Stature. And it turns out she's just been stealing pin particles from her dad for like 15 or for like 10 years. Uh, and in this, and then she can grow and shrink, but she doesn't have any of the, like the waspy powers after she dies in young Avengers and is later brought back in things not important enough to go into here. They bring her back as stinger for some, I never understood why they decided to go with stinger instead other than the fact that uh, it differentiated her a little bit from Scott. Right. Because when she became stature, Scott was dead. There was no Ant-Man in the Marvel Universe at the time. Mm -hmm. So stature was kind of her replacement, while Stinger seems to kind of be her own character a little more. But it does mean that there are now three active characters who have shrinking powers and wings and a whole wasp motif. And they tend to just be shuffled off in their own little corner. And they're all kind of fine with it, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. Like They're all like, yeah, hell yeah, girl. You do your thing. The, the other thing that stood out to me is that from all the descriptions I had heard, this is still not the trailer that was shown at Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. Which I'm curious to see that one, because that one apparently had even more Kang talking and being kind of like brutal and in action, from what I understand. I will say, as much as I don't think Kang's very interesting, I do enjoy scenes of Kang standing on top of a, like, a literal pile of dead bodies with an oversized gun that would make Cable happy, being like, yes, ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> I guess the whole thing is I'm, that I'm getting at is I'm excited for more Jonathan Majors in my life. Yeah. Because he was fantastic as he who remains, and he was great in Lovecraft Country. Oh, yeah. I don't know. As I said, I'm more interested in watching it than any of the others, but... It's hard to get excited for anything else Marvel right now when Black Panther is, like, two and a half weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. I think I got that timeline almost exact, actually. <laughs> <sighs> um, That's what I'm most excited for, but that'll come up. But, but that's not now. I don't have a huge love for Paul Rudd. I don't dislike him by any stretch of the imagination. He does a fine job in everything he does, but like he doesn't make me feel things in the way that a lot of other actors do. So that <laughs> I recently watched the latest Ghostbusters. He's fucking fantastic. In it. I really want to see that one. I'll say that it's really good. Like I had heard it was good. I was not expecting yeah, because it's ghost. I mean, even the classic Ghostbusters, which is a classic, is still meh. It's good. It's good. Parts haven't aged that well. Bill Parts Murray has aged about as well as Bill Murray has aged in real life. Mm -hmm. uh, not going into that one. He's a bum, but we all kind of knew that. But yeah, it was the the worst part of it was that it needed more Paul Rudd. Huh. Interesting. 
Anyway. Um, As I said, I'm not insulting Paul Rudd. It's just, he's not one of those actors that I'm like, oh, he's in the movie. Yes, absolutely. Let's do this. Right. Unless it's Clueless too, but I don't want that to ever happen. So. <laughs> there was a TV show. That's close enough. Yeah, I know. I watched it. <laughs> Let's, on that wonderful note, take a quick break. And when we come back, Willow. So here we are. Star Wars, if it was a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I pissed someone off. I actually discovered, like, three ways to piss off people on the internet just with Willow. Okay. When I, I went with that, like, it's Star Wars. If it was, like, it was supposed to be fantasy Star Wars. And I'm like, Star Wars is a fantasy. I'm like, I know. But. But that's. It's fantasy setting. And this is what George Lucas was selling it as. Like, I'm going to make a new trilogy, but fantasy. It will be fantasy Star Wars. Also, it is Lord of the Rings, his own Lord of the Rings with Blackjack and Huckers in the same way that <laughs> Star Wars is Flash Gordon, but not. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord of the Rings with Blackjack and Hookers is amazing. <laughs> uh, it is. I discovered this is what I was going to open up with if I had the cold open for this part. I learned how to make people so angry. I stated that this was a better movie than Lord of the Rings. Uh, hot take, it is. I have, and I have arguments for it. I don't, I'm not even going to argue. I know, I'm just going to say. I'm just going to get, they were all like, well, here's my stuff. And these are lovely people who I adore. So I'm not, I, I, I'm not giving them shit. But like, it got so heated and I was like, I said that knowing I was going to like set some people off. So I'm not mad about this, but like. Y'all are getting way too mad about this. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm not getting into this. Uh, but. There's a couple of things, and like there are real arguments. Is the special effects on Willow or on Lord of the Rings significantly better? Yes, it also took place 20 years later. But we will talk about the special effects. Ooh, not that significantly better. The effects are fantastic in Willow. Yes and no. There are ones that are legitimately amazing, and there are ones that yeah, oh yeah, yeah, are yeah, yeah. No, not. they're not across <laughs> the board amazing. <laughs> but no, some. I mean, literally, uh, a teacher sat us down and made us watch Willow. To see how it changed special effects. And everyone else in my class was like, eh. and I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. but um, as a standalone movie, it's better than any of the Lord of the Rings movies. It gets in, it tells a story, it has its fun, and it wraps up with potential for more, but still telling a whole story in its own right. The only movie that comes close to doing that in the Lord of the Rings ones is Fellowship. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You don't have to be a complete one and done, but in my opinion, the best trilogies, each story still tells a complete story in its own right at the same time. Star Wars mostly does that in its real original trilogy. Oddly, the one that does the worst job of that is uh, Empire Strikes Back, and <laughs> that's probably the best of the three. So that it, it's its own thing, but like, you know, Two Towers is the in-between, and honestly, I don't like Return of the King that much. I was going to say, for if I'm looking at the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the first one is the most complete stand-by-itself yes. movie. The second one is the most enjoyable. And the third one is too long. Exists. The third, yeah. yeah. The, well, third okay. one, the third one gives us 15 endings. I mean, this is also the one where people were Check going... Check out whenever you like. People were being like, oh, are we doing extended edition or theater cut. I'm like, theater cut. I hate watching the extended edition. 
Like, we don't have to watch it. We get to watch it. Okay, so we are just not going to agree on this. <laughs> uh, and you, you and I have talked about it. I don't generally like three-hour movies. Mm-hmm. If you need to be that long, give yourself six hours and make a fucking TV show. And I recognize that I'm living in an era where we can finally do that with the real budget, and that was not a thing before, but that's just my hot take. Mm-hmm. But Willow, directed by Ron Howard, isn't yes. it? Executive produced by uh, uh, Lucas, who I think I'm possibly normal produced by Lucas, and his original story is by... He came up with the rough... Right, executive produced by Lucas, story by Lucas... Uh, although not screenplay, right? Screenplay is Bob Dolman, which honestly Lucas is at his best when he comes up with a story and comes up with like the rough outline of it and then lets other people do it. Right. That's how we got cool. Grievous. (laughs) (laughs) When Lucas got more hands on with Grievous, we got. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I'm still mad about that. Oh, God. Grievous should have been so much cooler. Anyway. When Dave Filoni got Grievous, he was pretty cool. When fucking, um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. The guy who made Samurai Jack. He did That's the shows. one I was first thinking of. Gendy's it was so one. cool. Yeah. Yeah. We had Lucas giving Gendy a... Gendy Tartavosky, thank you. A, like, rough outline of this character, and we get the coolest version. <laughs> Then Lucas comes in later. By far. And we're like, oh no. Oh no. Do you you need a lozenge, sir? Apparently that was because the guy had a cold and he thought it'd be funny to continue that. Oh. And unfortunately, a little too often, George Lucas, and sometimes it works, you know, Indy shooting the guy because he didn't want to do the sword fight. Fantastic. But a few too many times, George Lucas gets that little troll part of his brain going and be like, That'd be funny. <laughs> I'm like, we don't really need to do it. Anyways, Willow. Uh, starring Warwick Davis, who's like 20 years old in this. Right. Because this movie came out, what, 1980? Ooh, I just was looking at that. 87? Uh, 88? It released in 88. So he's like 19 in this movie. Because he was 11 when he filmed Return of the Jedi, which would have come out in like 83, I think. Mm. Either way, he's late teens, early 20s at the absolute most, which is really funny when he's got two kids. I mean, they're young enough that it's not unreasonable, but the definite like, man, I'm way older than Willow now that I watched this movie. And I did not connect with that when I was a kid. But we don't we don't know how now one's age. Mm. It's not a bad thing. It was just yeah. a thing that had never stuck out to me until I watched it three days ago. You're like, oh, you're young. Baby's having babies. Ooh, baby Warwick. <laughs> yeah. God, I love Warwick Davis. So good. We have um, uh, fucking... Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Mad playing Mardigan. Val Kilmer. <laughs> He's playing Mad Mardigan. Oh, that was the... They're like, Val Kilmer doesn't put in a serious performance in this whole movie. I'm like, Val Kilmer did everything you hire Val Kilmer to do. He plays himself in whatever genre that you put him in. I don't know. I feel like he switches it up a bit. Not a ton. He doesn't have the widest range, but <laughs> but like he like this isn't him from Ghost in the Darkness. No, but it's not honestly too terribly far from like Iceman. <laughs> yeah, or Bruce Wayne. Okay. Or 
honestly, even Doc Holliday. Like, Val Kilmer, and I don't mean this as a bad thing. There are some actors that you hire because they are going to be that actor in this role. As opposed uh, to Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa plays Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Christopher Walken just plays Christopher Walken. I'm actually Jeff not Goldblum. a Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Jeff Goldblum. Val Kilmer plays Val Kilmer as a cowboy man dying of consumption. Or Aragorn <laughs> if he was a thief. And hornier. It's Han Solo with a sword. Yeah. Honestly, and like... Mm. That's all you have to say about Mad Here's the thing that pisses me off is that his name is Mad Mardigan. It's not Mad Mardigan. Mardigan. I made up a character in like high school named Mad Marty and it wasn't until years later when I decided his full name was Mad Mardigan that I was like, oh god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> not been able to use him since because my brain is just like, that's Mad Marty. Um, that somehow weirdly pisses me off. But it's not Mad Mardigan. It's Mad Mardigan. Yeah, it is strange. He's not... Okay, so the reason why we chose to do this is because pretty much any day now, by the time this episode comes out, the new Willow series will be starting. The the Disney Plus sequel series. Right. Which Warwick Davis has been working on for about 15 years. He started in 2005 being like, hey, you know what was fun? Willow. <laughs> you know what was not a big sell back at the time, but like has developed a rabid fan base? Which, here, let's talk about that for a second, because it's a weird not-big-sell. It underperformed, but it was a massive hit. I did not know that. So, it did... It didn't uh, do Star Wars numbers? So, it was predicted... Okay, so here's the numbers it did do. It had a $30 million budget. Okay. And it ended up so small today, which and is ended wild. up bringing in, uh, I think, about 170 million. That's so much money. They would pay for the next like two sequels. It was expected oh. to do ET money. ET was made on a budget of 10 million, and did 800 million. Why did they expect it to do ET money? Just various different things. Who was hot? Who was different trends that were happening. Oh, so it wasn't a big hit. It just made over six times the cost of... God, I hate capitalism so much. Well, so because they were expecting it to be bigger, they would have definitely spent more on the advertising, and you have to recoup those costs. Mm -hmm. So it had a production budget of $35 million. They probably spent $40 million on advertising. So it had to do 75 just to make back money. Okay, it still made double that. Yeah, it still made double that. That's, ah, ah. It's like when we talked about, way back when now, when the first, oh shit, something else underperformed. I'm trying to think of what it was. Um, Harley Quinn underperformed. Oh, Birds of Prey. People kept saying bomb. Bomb was not the right word. It underperformed. It made a shit ton of money. It just didn't make fucking it just didn't Avengers make, money. Mm -hmm. It was never going to. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think they were banking off Harley's. Yeah, it's still. It's, okay. Um, it's, mm -hmm. There was something else, though, too. Not just Harley. There was another one that we brought up, uh, like, uh, somewhere close to two years ago now. Yeah, that it, it wasn't actually a bomb. It underperformed. That's... 
a problem with Hollywood of like a movie, you know, okay, so it doesn't make $800 million in one go. You're still getting minimum double of your money back. You can fucking (laughs) make three of these. This is what I like. I remember, I don't remember what it was, but it was some YouTube thing where it had like various people across movie making sitting down and having dinner together and talking. And this one had like Mark Hamill, Kevin Smith. Oh, it was the show that um, John Favreau used to do. And Kevin Smith would sometimes fill in for him as host. I'm trying to remember what it was called now. Uh, and um, it's fucking fantastic. I've, I know what you're talking. And about. the guy that made the like Cretaceous or Allosaurus, he, he does all of the like B movie cashing in on like the big popular tentpole films, direct to DVD. Mm-hmm garbage movies and that guy was talking about like okay we made allosaurus one or whatever the fuck it was called it was cashing in on jurassic park Mm -hmm. and it made this much money and it cost us this much money to make the next one made ten thousand dollars less so we were literally able just be like okay based off how much money it made to make these we can make six of these and still make a profit I'm not saying you need to follow that guy's way of doing things, although I kind of respect him for being a shitty movie maker. But, like, you don't need fucking impossible profits when you're still making fucking $75 million off this. Well, that was... (laughs) A version of that is kind of how... God, what's the name of it? Canon Film Groups used to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Golan and Globus, they did, like, Masters of the Universe and Life Force and... Uh, break into electric boogaloo a lot of bad fucking movies and their whole it was all crunching the math like we can get this script Mm -hmm. bargain basement script these scripts contain these elements we know that this many people will go see a movie that has these elements so as long as we make this movie for like a million dollars it doesn't matter how bad it is because enough people are going to go see it that it's still going to make money. And see, I hate that and love that at the same time. <laughs> like, it's so interesting to me. But it also lets these people just make shit that they enjoy. Yeah. So I'm all for it at the same time. Uh, anyways, back to Willow. So not a bomb, as I always thought it was. But, you know, I guess not enough to justify making other movies. I know there were eventually there was books written... That I, think uh, Chris a trilo- I was about to say a trilogy that Chris Claremont helped on that helped fill things out in the I'm back told end. I told it's Buck Wild. Yeah, I guess there's a ton more world building, and you find out a lot more of like Matt Mardigan and Shorsha's backstories. Mm-hmm. It, they didn't sound that interesting to me, but I do kind <laughs> of want to read them just from the like, what the fuck? Right, because it because she's the daughter of the king that you see at the very end at Tirasline. I completely missed that. I've watched this movie so many times and I always, cause I always think yeah, of her they don't as, say that in there at all, but she's his daughter with the evil queen nun lady. I think so. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. Who plays Sorsha? Um, Joanne Wally, one of my childhood crushes. And I am not wrong in that, uh, staying with this. Apparently I super had a thing for redheads. Uh, not actually a redhead. I don't care, but this she was, and that's how I knew her. Uh, you haven't watched uh, the third season yet, if I remember right. Um, and so you wouldn't know that Joanne Wally went on to be Sister Maggie. 
I did see that. Yeah, she was in a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, with uh, Val Kilmer, because she's coming back for Willow. Right. I don't think a lot, but she's... Some going to show up. I th- From what I've gathered in the commercials, she's sending him on his way for the quest kind of thing. Like, I need help. Willow, help me out. They've said because uh, Val Kilmer could not come in because he was right in the middle of recovering from throat cancer surgery or whatever... Is he not in at all, or is he doing one of the things kind of like Top Gun, where they still found a way to work him He in? did not film in any of it, but uh, they say that he will be a major part of the story. Okay. Whatever that... So somebody means. we've seen in the trailer is Mad Mardigan's kid. Is that is what that It means. sounds like two, both of... They've got two kids, and like I think they're looking for them, or... Looking for one of them and the other. I don't know. Okay. But I know there are two children involved, and they are the children of Mad Mardigan and Sorsha. And I have no idea if Alora Dannon matters to this story in any way, shape, or form. Right. Because she doesn't have to. Nope. The prophecy was fulfilled. She stopped the queen. <laughs> <laughs> Who else should we say? Bav Morda? Jean Marsh? That's the evil mm-hmm. nun queen? I know she's not a nun, and I know that was just based off an actual medieval stylization, but that's how it looks to me. Oh, that's right. She's in The Changeling. That movie's great. And she was in Doctor Who. Who was she in Doctor Who? Uh, Morgane? Holy shit. She was Morgan Le Fay, or I guess Morgane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in Battlefield. That is such a... That's a seventh Doctor... Doctor Who. That was a wild fucking series... The final appearance of uh, uh, Brigadier Lethbridge, Alistair Seward. Oh, and she was in uh, Return to Oz. Mm-hmm. As Nurse Wilson and Mombi. No wonder I'm scared of her. <laughs> Mombi is a childhood nightmare. Fucking, I don't know if you've ever watched Return to Oz. It is. It's once as a child. It's been a while. It is like one of my favorite movies as a kid, but it scared the fuck out of me. Um. <laughs> She's a good actress. She plays she plays a queen bitch real good. She would have been a great nurse ratchet. Yeah. Uh, who else do we got? I guess Alora Dannon and... Um, Alora Dannon is... Um, three people, if I remember. Right. Well, three credited, and I think it was actually five on set. Fair enough. Uh, there's two twins. Uh, Kate, or there's a... There's twins... Kate and Ruth Greenfield that are mostly the close-ups. Mm. Like they were the ones that were hired to be a Laura Dannon. They were too big for all of the holders that they had to actually move them around on set. So they had to so get others. anything that it's basically not just their face is Rebecca Behrman, who I believe was the newly born daughter of like one of the set designers. Oh, cool. And so whenever you see a real baby that you don't see the face, it tends to be her. Okay. And then there's also a mechanical baby for some of the stunts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say there's one bit where they get the baby to do like a raised eyebrow and like look over. And it's really good. Like, I don't know how they did that. Um, And then who are the, uh, uh, just a few more, because we should get the good witch, the the totally not Glenda witch. Uh, Patricia Hayes as Finn Raziel. Finn Raziel. Yeah. Delightful. Strange little character, but 
I mean, she's been in a ton of things. I was just trying to see if there was anything that really stood out to me. Um, like, she was in A Fish Called Wanda, but I don't remember that movie well enough to know who Mrs. Cody is. I remember not actually liking it that much, but I was pretty young, so... Same with, like... Like, of course, I've seen NeverEnding Story a bunch as a kid, but I don't remember who Urgle is. She's one of those that she's in fucking everything. And then who are the two brownies? <laughs> the, because the brownies are super important. Yeah. Uh, you mean the droids? Really? I mean, think about it. Well, okay. No, I for a moment, I thought you meant, like, they got the actors. But you're right. It's no. the droids. Yeah, no, it's Kevin Pollock and Rick Overton as Rule and Franjean. And they are in back in this one. Yes. Which, thank God, they are really... Uh, I mean, Kevin Pollack is an actor. Rick Overton actually does mostly, like, writing stuff. Oh, cool. Like, he has shown up in an actor as in a lot of things, but it's the, his it's usually, is... like, bit parts. And it's because he has friends, because he's a writer. And he's mm-hmm. been a comedy writer for years and years and years, so... And, I mean, those two, as a kid, were my absolute favorite parts. And surprisingly, they kind of remain my favorite parts. Although I like Mad Mardigan much more as an adult than I did as a kid. Mm-hmm. God, he's in a lot of stuff. Well, we're looking at Rick Overton. That's, yeah. Yeah, but it's a, it's a lot of things where he plays, like, frantic man. <laughs> Redneck heckler. Like, yeah, fair enough. So Bartender. Taylor. One, one thing I do like about this movie is the amount that it feels... As much as I love world building, and this actually has some decent world building in it, it feels no need for a long, protracted intro. It is get up and go. Now, see, I had actually rewatched this movie just like a month ago anyway. Mm-hmm. And so rewatching it again for this, it does mostly get up and go. I still wish it get up and went faster. I mean, uh, fair. The the scene in the... Because I think it doesn't really take off till you run into Mad Mart again. The scene in the Nelwyn village goes a little long, but, like, what it's, I mean it's is... It's nice. I like it. Literally the very first, like, three sentences. Evil queen has taken over. Prophecy of small child shall be born. She needs to do a, a spell thing to break it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's the baby. Baby escapes. We're going. Baby's found. Like, fucking... A modern movie... Would have spent 45 fucking minutes on that. Half an hour, but still. Like, it would have taken... They had no time for that. It does immediately slow down. But I'm torn because I like those. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, really, I, I agree I like the scenes in the Nolan Village. And I don't like, know any of them that I would cut out. Because it really sets up who Willow is for you mm-hmm. so fast. He is... He wants to be a wizard... He is a young family man. He is an absolute sucker for any child whatsoever. I do enjoy that he doesn't want to touch the baby because he knows he'll immediately pack bond with it. Like, that's not the <laughs> words they use, but like, nope, 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 touches it. Oh. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, Lord Dannon. And we get what could easily have been a Gandalf, but instead it's just like the weird little shaman man of the village. Mm-hmm. Who the bones tell me absolutely nothing is maybe the best like joke in fantasy movies, but uh, what like Willow wants to become a sorcerer's apprentice? Yeah, basically. 
He kind of wants to become Wong. Um, but it's not in the cards, but baby falls into his lap and he's got to go give the baby back to the Daikinis. We we find out he's got his, you know, bully Burgle Cut, mm-hmm. who sucks. Burgle Cut sucks. He's one of those that I really hope that he's a good guy in real life because he played such a little dickhead. Wow, he's not in a lot, is he? No, not really. Died kind of young, too. You know, I 54. don't... 54, well, kind of. I mean, holy Four... shit. What? That means... Oh, no, he still would have He would have been like 36 or something when this was filmed. Yeah, uh, I don't think that was his real hair. It's not hard mm-hmm. to add on, like, fake hair, especially when you're already bald. I still would have guessed later. Yeah. I still would have guessed older. With little people, it's not terribly uncommon to die younger, right. as I understand it. That's what I understand, as too. As either one of us is little people and being really careful about <laughs> yeah. any comment on this one, but... Um, no, from what I understand, that happens, to, that is just kind of... That's one risk. of the side effects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is true, but I did hear a story that I kind of hope is true that because it's not, I mean, it's become more common just as the internet and stuff, but it, it used to not be very common to have that many little people in one area at the same time. You've heard about the Wizard of Oz set, right? Wizard of Oz set was wild apparently because <laughs> this is a kind of similar thing of like it just became one big fucking party and a bunch of people actually got married meeting each other on this set and stuff like that warwick davis met his wife please tell me it's uh kaya i don't believe it is oh, still okay um and uh val kilmer and sorsha got married and they had a couple of kids a couple together. kids uh i believe they divorced after eight years but yeah they they divorced mm-hmm. in the mid 90s she uh she had quit acting to raise the kids i couldn't find anything i wasn't looking that hard because i'm not you know the mm-hmm. uh, gossip celebrity gossip i didn't find anything too big on the like super bad blood but who right. knows who knows i hope not mm-hmm. but i just kind of hope that Generally, (laughs) like, um, I want people to be happy. I didn't know Warwick had met his wife here, but like, Mm -hmm. I just want to go hang out at the Nelwyn, like, village gathering that was happening. Yeah, it looked like a lot of fun, right? And like, hang out with the like pigs. (laughs) They're a very pig based society, I will say that. Warwick's fucking magic trips were, were fine. For as far as magic tricks go. Right. And even with the pig escaping, like, if he... Had, that was funny. If he would have just he leaned into it, right, it. Yeah, he could have worked it. Uh, the very clearly dogs with some... Like, not as bad as a classic Star Trek setup of doing that. But, like, mm-hmm. here's some dogs with some prosthetics on it running through. It worked. Yeah. I love those, actually. I like the way those look. Uh, I wish... Oh, God, I think they said his name was Von Carr, though, like actual little warrior guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Vonkar. I wish he had hung out more. Yeah. Um, like, I get that they just own, they didn't want to do the full 13 cast members of Lord of the Rings, but... I was going to say, I... I would have liked a these... bit more of Vonkar, and I would have liked a little more of not Samwise Gamgee. Oh, right, right, right. Um, I was I was actually kind of okay with losing him. I was surprised going back to this how many actors I recognized. Because Vonkar 
and the two warriors that they never give names that are accompanying them. Yeah, they're just the, there. Like, those guys showed up in, like, every TV show in the fucking world in the early 90s. <laughs> like, I've I've known who Phil Fondacaro, Malcolm Dixon, and Tony Cox are for a long time now. <laughs> um, Tony Cox is the one I was like, holy shit, fucking he's from Bad of, Santa? He's one of the unnamed ones? Yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. okay. Um, he's, the, he's the black no one. Fuck, okay, yes, I do know who we're talking about. <laughs> wow. Um, I didn't even give him a second thought, to be honest with you, because he doesn't have a fucking line in this movie. Yeah, and then um, Malcolm Dixon was his other, the other warrior. And, like, he was in fucking Flash Gordon. He was in Time Bandits, like... I'm not putting a face to him, but I know who you're talking about in Flash Gordon. He doesn't appear much, but he was just, you know. And then uh, you were the one that brought up Phil Fondacaro, Roland on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Like classic Sabrina? Yeah, like classic Never Sabrina. Never watched much of it, to be honest with you. He was also in Troll and Bordello of Blood and a few other things. Oh, he had a good career. Good for him. I fucking did Phil Fondacaro. I don't Fondacaro. know if he's alive or not. I don't. I think all three of those are, actually. Hell yeah. <laughs> all three of them are. That's just a thing when you're talking about a movie from 30 years ago. There's always that, like, I think most of the cast is still alive. <laughs> kind of skip forward effect to Mad Mardigan. That's, to me, that's where the movie really takes. I enjoy all the Nelwyn stuff. I also don't know where you would cut it, but I feel like the length we stay with them takes away from the fact that we don't know anything about Mad Mardigan's backstory other than guesses and the fact that he knows Eric. And takes away from us knowing much about Sorsha at all, too. Yeah, I will say they do a really good job of telling you everything of who Mad Mardigan is. Yes. Almost immediately. Like, without knowing, in the same way that Han Solo, we didn't know his backstory till Later. Solo. Mm-hmm. Which I actually still really love Solo, but, like, we didn't need it. We we had... Right. They tell you everything you need to know, but at sometimes you're like, but he's so cool, I want to know. Uh-huh. But yeah, he's a he's a sellsword. For whatever reason, he is trapped in the cage. That's a fucking terrible way to die, by yeah. the way. Oof. He used to serve, we find from them talking to Eric, who just happens to be passing by, that he used to serve in the army. Mm-hmm. I still serve so-and-so. You don't. You made that clear or something. I will say, you clearly know and like this man. You are in... Very desperate circumstances. You're openly in desperate circumstances. Fucking let him out of the cage. Give him a shitty sword. Right? And have and put him in the middle of your army. Like, I put him in the van. I mean, he would have died. <laughs> but, like, it had him hold the idiot ball a little bit by not taking literally every man he could get. Right. God damn it, Eric. Especially when Eric or when Mad Mardigan, even Eric is like, you're a great fucking swordsman. I actually have seen him in something else because he was in Sharp, which is a uh, uh, Sean Bean thing. Well, here's the thing that I fucking love that Eric's in this for. Uh, the the actor's name is Gavin O'Hurley. We pointed out Ron Howard directed this. Mm-hmm. He was in fucking Happy Days. He was the older brother who disappeared. Yes, he was Chuck Cunningham, who would almost only talk by bouncing a basketball. Like, that was his character's shtick. And then he just sort of up and disappears. He's 
literally he went upstairs and never came out again. Like, uh, yeah, he actually, I, I was wondering about that. If like Ron Howard picked him being like, I remember you. I have no idea, no, have but no it's awesome. It's awesome that Chuck Cunningham is in a Ron Howard joint. I, will, I think he's in multiple Ron Howard joints, to be honest. Then they probably is from knowing each other. He mostly, by the look of it, went to Britain and made a living working in Britain as an American actor and doing a lot of stage productions. Sad. He actually passed last year. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I will say, one, it's very distracting that the Wikipedia only has pictures of him from his happy days. Like, <laughs> that's not a good representation of who that man was. But look, it's the boss. God. I will say, if we're going back to Lord of the Rings and stuff, one place that Lord of the Rings has the advantage over Willow is the the costuming. And there's actually a lot of costuming that I like in Willow. It's a very 80s fantasy style that I actually enjoy. You know, the, the goofy skull helmet is a style that I hated as Kale's a kid helmet. that I love now. But there was a moment where I saw his, where I saw Eric's armor, like, closer and went, I made a nicer version of that myself. Oh, no. Because it's like a, a bronze scale armor, and I was mm-hmm. looking at it like, God, that is not good scale work. God, they, I mean, Matt, they let Mad Mardigan out. <laughs> they let Mad Mardigan out. They let him run off with the baby. The brownies immediately steal the baby, and here's where we meet. Franjon and Rule. Yeah, Franjon and Rule. And we learned that the baby is a Laura Dannon. She's a MacGuffin. Right. There's nothing wrong with that fact. I don't want to insult any, like, she's fine. As I said, there's... She's a baby. She doesn't need yeah. to be anything. <laughs> there are a few scenes where they literally have me laugh because of her. So good job. But it's... She's a MacGuffin. I just think it's hilarious because, I mean, well, this gets into how it... Whatever. She's she's destined to bring about the downfall, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, well, then she has to... So she lives so that she can grow up and bring about the downfall. But the whole idea is you just have to keep her alive because <laughs> Long enough the bringing, stuff to the bringing down, down the downfall is simply Bav Morda overextending herself trying to fuck up a little baby. Well, and it seemed like the impression that I got, and I could be wrong on this, is kind of if she dies, she'll be reborn or something like right, that. No. Because there is a whole... Right, you can't just kill her. You have to do the... The, the ceremony. So that her soul doesn't get reborn. Because Cece was laughing, being like, okay, I get that that, you know, the the woman that sent her on the river in the very beginning. She's like, I get that she's about to be devoured by not dogs, but she just put a baby in a river and hoped for the best. I'm like, well, one, best option. And two, like, to be really cynical, worst case scenario, baby fucking biffs it and gets reborn later on and, mm-hmm. like, still deals with the problem. I just, I think it's funny that the... Like, it's set up to be this baby's special because it's eventually going to be the chosen one, basically. Mm-hmm. When it's really just special because it's going to allow the, the the evil sorceress to be defeated in her search for the baby. Because of this prophecy. I think she's more important in the Claremont sequels, but I don't know. And I don't... I've not read them, so I can't say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brownies, you described them as the droids. You're not wrong because they're the pair that's the comedic uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, side duo. But they are so different from oh, yeah, they're, the droids. Yeah, they're not C-3PO and R2-D2. They are Wee Mad Arthur from fucking Discworld. <laughs> 
Yeah, they are. Down to the fact that they would punch a rat in the face to beat it because it'd be unsporting to do so otherwise. Like, Yeah, they are. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I love Kevin Pollock, so anytime he's on screen, I'm they, just... I they have fit a great pretty time. solid tropes of, you know, they're actually a lot closer to fairies than most versions of fairies that we see. Mm-hmm. They've got the best number of gags. Like, you know, the, the droids are funny, but the, the droids never had any... Didn't have many lines, at least, that when I was a kid made me, like, bend right. over. I drove my poor fucking dad nuts with lines from the brownies as a kid. That's funny. I th- God, I feel like I must have at one point, too. Maybe not. <laughs> I was trying to think about this. I was, mostly because I was like, Mad Mardigan's the fucking shit. I love Mad Mardigan. I'm like, when was the first time I saw Val Kilmer? Probably in this movie, because I know I saw it young. But it wouldn't have been the first time that I saw him and recognized him as being an actor. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Batman Forever would have been the first time I paid attention to Matt. uh, Like, would have been the first big one that I saw. I saw this a few years later. I don't think I put together that they were the same guy because I wasn't quite Mm -hmm. caring yet. And so this, this almost for sure is what I saw him first in. But I'm trying to think, like, the first time I would have been like, oh, shit, with, like, the realization of, like, this is somebody, this is an actor, I've seen him in other things. Either, I can't remember if I saw Top Secret or The Ghost in the Darkness first. One of those, though. Even before Batman. Yeah, fair. One thing, you know, jumping back to Mad Mart again, that I expected to be more problematic than I found it was him disguising himself as a woman to try to, like... Mm. escape from the fact that he was banging Lug's wife, which God, marrying Lug is just, I'm, Lug. Sh- I'm sure she had no choice in that matter. Like the, the little character, but Jesus, that's no lady, not a woman. Yeah. God, the fucking wanna breed. Jesus. You're like, Oh God. CC oh. <laughs> just actively started like, Oh no. Um, but like, not that men in dresses is automatically problematic or transphobic, but it very easily can be. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I, I mean, I don't know. I am not a trans person. I'm not qualified to stay. It's, but it's it, already, it's in general problematic to use it as comedy. Mm-hmm. But there's ways you can still be comedic with it, if that and makes sense. The joke there's was, intent that needs to be. The joke was less like, oh, look, it's a woman in a dress and more like. Ha ha, how is he going to get out of this? Right. Mad Mardigan's a bastard was kind of more the joke more than anything else. Like, and, and he also, really is allowed to be a significantly worse person than Han Solo is. And also having to try to cover up um, the fucking worst grill that Val Kilmer has ever rocked in his career. Mad Mardigan's teeth were shit. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost what took me back the most in this entire movie was the first time he opens his mouth and I was like, oof. Oof, dental work, my guy. <laughs> it's a thing. Or at least, like, scraping the barnacles off, my man. Yeah, fantasy. This is very much the era of dirty fantasy, too. Of like, Which I'm, I love the fact that things look dirty in this fucking movie. Yeah. As much as it's got that 80s feel, it actually does look lived in. Same note, though. Credit to them, they're allowed to have a bit of color, which we're not always allowed in modern fantasy, where everything Mm -hmm. seems to need to be fucking gray tone of some level. It's true. Fucking 
Matt Mardigan wears pink through a significant amount of this movie. With that chest bear. Oh, yeah. No, it's very Val Kilmer is at his sexiest. But, like... It's like, you wanted the Iceman? I'm bringing the Iceman. It's not just he's wearing, like, wears the dress and then goes off on it and has magically got clothes again. They just let him... Chill and dress for a bit. Yeah. Got a whole fight scene in it. And then even then, after he puts on other stuff, he's still, like, wrapped the dress around his legs as a fucking, like, pants set up. Mm-hmm. Man, man, Mardigan's the shit. He is. He is the part of this movie that I enjoyed the most this time, which was not always the case in the past. Mm -hmm. Not anything against him. It's just, you know, sometimes when you haven't watched a movie in years. Sometimes you don't know. Yeah, Yeah. new things stick out. I want more Sorsha. She is... uh, Give me the actress's name again. Uh, Joanne Wally. Joanne Wally does the absolute best she can with what she's given. My one critique, she's not given a lot. She is the daughter of the evil nun lady. I refuse to not call her that. Bath Morda. Bath Morda. And it's predicted that she'll one day betray her, and she turns really fucking fast. She turns faster than fucking Mad Mardigan switches to being on, like, Willow's fucking, like, chosen follower. I think Bath Morda is evil stepmom. Okay. But she does refer to her as my daughter and mother, Mm -hmm. so... Because I trust my daughter more than I trust you. I think the idea when the books fleshed it out, apparently, was that, like, she was brainwashing. She's brainwashy evil stepmom. Fair enough. She gets some cool stuff. She actually gets to threaten people in ways that I enjoy. I would have liked a little more actual fight scene from her. Mm -hmm. But that's not on her. That's on 1987 or whatever year this was. Yeah. (laughs) She does fucking kick Val Kilmer in the face, which I kind of appreciate. Like, I love Sorsha. I don't love... She kicked me in the face. <laughs> I don't love her. Do I? Usually I find love potions a little more problematic. This one... Maybe because it wore off so fast, although then they were just kind of actual in love real quick. Like, I don't know. I don't hate that relationship, but it because it all happens in one movie... We don't get the time that, like, Han Solo and Leia mm-hmm. do to go from, like, hate to hate fuck to actually like each other. Like, look, I, I fucking, I super, super enjoy this movie. This is one that people need to bring up more and more often because it is. It's the gold standard of fantasy movies. Holy shit, it's so good. But I, if I had to say that, like, maybe this movie's worst part is that. It's not longer. Which is so funny because we're usually like, stop making movies three hours long. But there's so many things that are interesting that don't get a chance to be fleshed out at all. Which is why this, like, the rewatching this movie has me even more excited for the fact that we're getting I would not an have entire hated, TV series. I would not have hated another half hour of this movie. Right. Because it's a little bit more Mad Mardigan, a little bit more Sorsha, a little bit more just of the world and how shit works a little bit. Mm -hmm. You don't need a ton more, but like some of that we didn't get at all. Well, and it's one of those things, because I mean, literally, I came in here being like, one of the good things is this movie is like, done, 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 done. It, It tells the story it wants to tell without worrying too much about other stuff, but... We do. There it's are so interesting that you want to know. Yes. <laughs> I really would have loved a trilogy. It does stand alone. Like, you can see how it's set up that there could be a trilogy, but 
if I mean there wasn't, and it yeah. doesn't detract from it. Well, if Fellowship, I promise I'll stop. It's just the movie to compare it to. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I literally think he tried to make Lord of the Fellowship originally. Lord of the Fellowship. Fellowship <laughs> of the Rings originally. If you made Fellowship and then didn't make Two Towers and Return of the King, it would have felt uncompleted in a way that Willow does not. Right. Big time. I'm so glad that we're going to get a chance to live in the world more. Mm. That's the thing. You mentioned that, like, the world feels lived in. And I agree with that. And, like, the characters feel like they live in the world when you watch this movie. But I also want to live in the world. Yes, no, I'm, I'm with you. They created a fantasy kingdom I want to be a part of. Well, Even if it's just Hobbit knockoffs. <laughs> as much as I'm, like, knocking... I'm not knocking Fellowship of the Rings. I'm saying I like this better. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting when I talked about this, everyone was like, no, Fellowship of the Ring is good, you're wrong. And I'm like, well, I didn't say it wasn't good. good. And it's an interesting thing about Tolkien, and I get it because he wrote the language of how we base high fantasy. But he's not my favorite fantasy author by a, a long shot, even though he's kind of respected as like the granddaddy, like the, the high poobah of all fantasy. The, the funny thing is he'd probably be more in your camp. Uh-huh. He'd be pissed about that. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, although he fucking savaged other writers that weren't him. And I would love to do an actual Tolkien episode and like really talk about things I love about Tolkien. But I mean, I'm a Robert E. Howard guy. I like Conan more than I like Lord of the Rings. Right. I like Pratchett more than I like both of them. And I recognize that we don't get Pratchett without those other things. Mm-hmm. I'm not for a moment discounting the importance. But someone was like doing the comparison being like, oh, like saying Tolkien's bad is like saying bread is bad. Like he built modern fantasy. Like, like, yeah, like, but like that's sure. But I'm not going to say plain white bread is my favorite bread when fucking Fakasha exists. Like, God, and I, man, I love some pre-Tolkien fantasy, too. Yeah. Some great shit. And just the writing style. Tolkien is the father of modern fantasy Mm -hmm. because he took things in a way that permanently changed how we write fantasy. But honestly, he's fourth on my writers. Like Pratchett's my favorite fantasy writer, followed by Robert E. Howard, followed by a guy whose name I can never remember, but he wrote Fawford and the Grey Mouser stories. And those are delightful. They're basically Conan stories, but there's two of them. Mm -hmm. And one is a tiny little guy who's a thief and a magic user. And the other is a big barbarian guy, but he's also like a bard. And now I'm trying to think of what my top fantasy authors would be. Patrick Rothfuss can make the list once he finishes his fucking book. (laughs) When the King Killer Chronicles kills a goddamn king, then fine. (laughs) He can go up there because I fucking love those books. But nope, you don't get that until (laughs) you finish the fucking book. That's awesome. That's funny. I still never read those. I, I really like them. Some point. This unreliable narrator has to be taken into consideration with how masturbatory the main character is about himself, but, like, it's very good. Um, I'm trying to... Man, like, Willow's great. I just don't... I don't want to go through it scene by scene because nope. it's, like, it's fine. I'm just trying to think of other this things that the, I want to say This was about the it. kind of the thing I was worried about when we chose Willow because it's sometimes hard when things that are, like been around for a while and they're good. Cause it's like, like, what's to talk about? It's good. It's Willow. Go. Let's talk. I do want to talk a little bit about the special effects though. The pig transformation sequence is horrifying. Perfect. 
I would change nothing in the modern day other than the fact that we use nicer cameras now. Uh, same with the, the troll transform. Dissolve, whatever yes, you want to call it. Yes, but the moment that the troll turn, And also, the trolls themselves are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, there's things we could do now just because we have better ability. But, like, the prosthetics, the fact, the way they were crawling across the walls was convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say their green screen needed fucking work. Mm-hmm. Especially when the big monster thing that the troll transforms into, which I never understood why that happened, but okay. Yeah, and that thing's even got a name, and I don't remember what it is, but it starts with an E. That that was the worst green screen by far. There were a few places with the brownies where it's very clearly that it's green screen, but it's less... Mm-hmm. The brownies green screen stood out more to me because okay. it felt... I'm going to say it felt less needed, if that makes sense. Even though obviously you need to find some way to portray them as being See, that I had the small. exact opposite reaction, but fair enough. Whereas, like with fighting the big double-headed Hydra troll thing, that was obviously claymation. I was like, "Well, you got to do something." Oh, fair and enough. like, and like, I grew up watching Jason and the Argonauts and shit, so like, it looked that looked familiar to me. That kind of action. I enjoyed it. I just like, I love that scene. Mm-hmm. It's just the scene that I have the one, the biggest critique of green screen. And also mad Mardigan's helmet ruins the entire <laughs> fucking look. It does. Cause mad Mardigan is like, look at this great armor. I got a new sword. I'm like, hell yeah. Bunch of gold, which I didn't used to like, but now half my armor in Belagarth is gold or bronze anyway. So apparently I'm just mad Mardigan. I don't necessarily like it for me, but on others. Fair. But the helmet looks fucking dumb because it's a, a traditional conical helmet and then there's chainmail over the top, but the chainmail one is pretty thin chainmail, and then it doesn't go low enough to actually help anywhere. It just kind of sits there for like appearances sake and to be in the way. And then it has that giant horsehair bit, bit but it doesn't stay together. So it just kind of loosely like cousin it's itself over him. I will still take that over Kale's stupid skull face. When I was a kid, I would have agreed with you. I don't know why I love the skull face now. It's so classic tacky, though. <laughs> like, it's like, that's what you do in old school sword and sorcery. That's true. I just, it looks. It's doofy. Dumb. Yes. <laughs> but so is Kale. He is the nameless general number seven. I mean, number one. He's kind of who Lord Soth was in the first Dragonlance books. Mm -hmm. Except Soth was still somehow scary in that, while Kale never really... Power word kill. Yeah, but still, like, there is a thing about Soth in in those that is, in those first ones at least, kind of like, tell not show, that everyone's just fucking horrified of him, and you're like, uh... And he's legit just a knight chilling in the corner, yeah, like, he's not so. doing a goddamn thing, and everyone's like, he's scary, and you're like, oh, he must be scary. I guess he's scary, I I thought he was just chilling in a corner. Margaret Wees and Tracy Hickman get high credit as fantasy writers for me. Are they super tacky 80s? Absolutely, but if you go in knowing, knowing that, mm. Mm, that's some classy man. It's like we talked about fucking. on our Dragonlance episode. Like this feels built by tropes, and then you realize that they're the ones that built the tropes. Yeah, this is cashing in on the stuff that at the time 
wasn't just tropes. This is why we have the tropes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the skull helmet was already kind of a... That's kind of been a thing. It's been a thing. In all modern fantasy. I think there's a skull helmet in a Conan story. 100% there is. 100%. And if there's not, every illustrator has found ways to put them in there. Exactly. But it was was doofy. It's so fucking doofy. They're wildly impractical. (laughs) Yeah. I know because I've made multiple of them. You need to make Kale's exact one. No. It's wildly impractical. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's ways to make them more practical. I actually made one that was just like a half mask. It's just from like the top of the forehead down to like the nose, mm-hmm. top of the thing level that works pretty well because it gives that skull look and feel, but right. doesn't take over the whole face so you can still see through it. I love how it kind of just bookends with Willow doing the trick again and it working. It's my old disappearing pig trick. And everyone's like, uh, okay. I something about that. I was like, that's just a really good way to wrap it up, especially because he didn't actually fail the first time. He just didn't lean into the showmanship of it. Yeah. The magician fight scene was pretty good. It's not a very memorable magician fight scene. Right. Honestly, I feel like all the all the physical fights leading up to that are way better. Significantly better. And to be fair, even though they're also kind of dumb. Mad- Watching Mad Mardigan's swordplay is wild. Oh, no, it's very Errol <laughs> Flynn. Like, the show is more important. Although him sledding I on wish a shield it was. I almost wish it was more Errol Flynn because it was kind of just like, I'm just waving this and guys are going to run into it thanks to our choreography. <laughs> <laughs> okay, looking at it for all the people who argue that Lord of the Rings is better, I get why. I'm just saying as a movie, this is a better movie. Yeah, this, <laughs> this movie puts the same feeling in my chest that watching A New Hope yeah. or watching the first Guardians of the Galaxy does. It's just a fun adventure romp or fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, Raiders does it too. Not many movies have that feel. It there's truly some weird little spark of magic. And there was a period in the time in the eighties where George Lucas was fucking great at finding people to do that for him because of the movies we mentioned, he did three of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And then he made Howard the duck and kind of everything went downhill from there. But, and of course, um, collaborators and good friends, Jurassic Park also does that feeling for me. Less so for me, but I get where you're coming from, from it. Um, oh, and it's a great that fucking for, movie. I'm the, not. The first dinosaur reveal. Mm. <sighs> you're right. Or the bit where the T-Rex looks through the, like, lowers its head down to the truck for the first time. Yeah, that's that primo fucking feeling. Yep. Um, but this kind of has it throughout in a way. And I like that. Honestly, short episode. Don't mind doing that. We've been trying to lower the episode lengths anyways, but uh, I'm pretty good calling it here unless you've I'm, got anything. I, I keep trying to think of other things from it, and I'm just like, eh, that was fun, but I don't have much else to say except for explain what happened and I'm then say I I'm going to make you put on the it. trailers for the new series on your big fancy TV when we finish Oh, yeah, we're definitely this. rewatching yeah, no, those trailers. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're 100% rewatching the trailers after talking about this and after having rewatched the movie again this morning. I meant to like, watch them right after the movie, so fair enough. But, uh, yeah, go watch it. Um, right, we don't do recommendations anymore. So, uh, next time, 
we're doing, we've been talking about this since I think the first episode. We're running out of things that we mentioned in the first, like, five first episodes. Block. But uh, we will be covering the first two series of Black Adder. They're up on Hulu right now? They're up on Hulu. They're only six episodes each. There was a lot of debate. They're like 32-minute episodes. There was a lot of debate of do we do just the first season and then the second season, but we realized if we watched the first season, we'd go, it's going to get so, so much better the whole time. And that's exhausting. It really is. I love this show to death. I would have just complained about the first season the entire time. We sat down, yeah, right? <laughs> we sat down because, I mean, the last like six episodes, we've been like, next time we'll be something. We forgot. And we've spaded out the next, a rough list of the next like, four months of episodes and I'm actually really excited. Like we mm-hmm. have really good stuff and some really bad stuff that will be fun to talk about at the same time. And a crossover and a crossover, but that's coming up in a couple of months. Uh, in the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi everybody, General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.